page 190. Man also requires mobility in order to acquire what he needs and to flee from to damage him. He needs tools which can bring things towards him and move things away from him. This is why man was created with hands and feet. Man also needs advisors that can warn him about things he should fear and call his attention to things he should try to obtain based on his past experiences. These advisors record these experiences and then remind man of what he should be aware of in the future and what he should pursue. These advisors are man's five senses and his memory. Their abode is in man's head and they receive their sustenance from the heart through the heart's circulatory action. All in all, the body is completely organized. It is operated by the heart, the place which the, where the soul first connects to and resides within man's body. Of course, the soul also resides in the brain, but the brain is its secondary residence. The soul affects it via the heart. Okay, so this is the way, like I said, this is not meant to be understood in a medical component. This is where we have these two, uh, the inter, interplay of the spiritual and the physical. So it's not necessarily going to be something that we would understand on our own. So God's divine life force was organized to reside within the Jewish people in the same manner, right? So sometimes we forget where we started from. What we started from is to try to explain what it means that Hashem is happy with the, the offerings. What exactly does that mean in this context? So he used the analogy of the human body. And he's been talking about the human body now for the past couple of nights in our learning. But he's really just bringing it back now to what the the power through the um, the nimshal, the point that we're trying to bring out, which is how does the bringing offerings in the temple, how does that end up impacting us? So God's divine life force was organized to reside within the Jewish people in the same manner. This is what Yeshua, Joshua meant by with this, i.e. the ark, you shall know that the living God is in your midst. The ark is like the heart, for it is the primary residence of the divinity. God, out of his favor for the Jewish nation, controlled the fire used on the altar, and it served as a sign that he accepted their sacrificial gift. Fire is the most ethereal and lofty of all physical things within the moon's orbit. Its point of connection with the more earthy element is with the fat and smoke from the sacrifices, the smoke of the incense cloud, and the oils. This is the nature of fire. It only fastens itself to fats and oils. Similarly, man's warm life force connects the very fine fatty globules in the blood. For this reason, God commanded the construction of the outer altar for burnt offerings, the incense altar, and the menorah. He then commanded the laws regarding offerings, incense, oil for the menorah, and anointing oil. There were three types of fire. The altar for burnt offerings contained a large overt fire. The golden incense altar contained a smaller, finer flame. The menorah flame was smaller and finer still, for it was meant to bring the influence of God's light of wisdom and knowledge. The showbread table was for bringing God's influence for physical well-being. This is why our sages said that one who wishes to become wise should face south during prayer, and one who wishes to become wealthy should face north. This is a Talmudic passage in Baba Basra. And what the Talmud tells us is like this, that the menorah was located in the, um, in the south part of the Beis HaMikdash, and therefore you would face southeast while praying, to symbolize that you're facing towards the menorah, right? Which is wisdom. And if you wanted to become wealthy, you would face northeast during prayer. To symbolize that you are towards the, the shulchan arach, which represents wealth. 
Now, of course, it doesn't work unless you actually recognize what the purpose is of facing in these directions. What you're trying to really uh, connect to and emote is this connection to these elements within the Beis Amikdash that are really representative of the nature of how we are meant to connect with the soul, right? So the same way these are elements within the Beis Amikdash in which Hashem's presence is going to impact the entire Jewish nation from these elements. It's like the heart, the beating heart of the Jewish nation is the place where it connects with the up high, right? Which is God in this, in this example, is the Aron is the ark. And then from there, it expands and spreads out. And it, in terms of the same way that the human body, there's different elements of the human body. Part of it is the digestive system. Part of it is the thinking system. Part of it is the memories, right? And the system of, of logic and the ability to choose and free will. So there's these different elements are also represented by different aspects in the Basemic Dish as well. All these services were for the sake of the ark and the Karuvim, which corresponded to the heart and to the lungs, which hover over all these objects in turn required utensils to service them, such as the laver and its stand, which is the kior, which we washed our hands and feet, the kohanim, washed their hands and feet before going into the temple, tongs and pans, dishes, spoons and tubes, pots and forks, and so on. These objects also required a protective housing, <clears throat> which was the tabernacle and its covering. The tabernacle courtyard and its utensils were intended for the protection of the tabernacle. Carriers were needed to transport all this through the desert, and God chose the descendants of Levi because of their closeness to God. They became even closer because of the episode of the golden calf, that which it says, and all the descendants of Levi gathered around Moshe. Right? So Moshe comes down, and he sees what the Jewish people are doing. He says, who is ready to fight for the sake of Hashem? Who's ready to kill even their closest friend and closest sibling if they have been complicit in the sin of the golden calf? And the descendants of Levi immediately step up. God chose the most distinguished of them, Elazar the Kohen, to carry the most distinguished and finest object. It says, and the assignment of Elazar, son of Aaron the Kohen, is the menorah oil, incense spices, the daily meal offering, and the anointing oil. All those mentioned contain the pure flying fire, the light of wisdom and knowledge, and the light of prophecy, which was manifest in the Urim and Tumim. Okay? So, so far, what he's trying to describe is how exactly this interaction takes place. The most distinguished of the Levite families, the descendants of Kahas, followed him. They carried the internal implements, such as the ark, the table, the menorah, the altars, and all their respective utensils. says about them, for the holy services upon them, they shall carry with their shoulders. These Levites corresponded to the movers of the internal organs. Even though the internal organs do not have bones to help them move, they nevertheless are allied to forces which allow them to move. The next most distinguished among the Levites were the descendants of Gershon. They carried the soft external accessories of the tabernacle. Those were the curtains of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the covering and the tachash cover above it, and the screen of the tent of meeting. The next most distinguished family, the descendants of Merari, carried the solid accessories, hooks, planks, bars, pillars, and sockets. Both groups were aided by wagons in their job of carrying. As it says, two of the wagons to the descendants of Gershon and four wagons to the descendants of Merari in accordance with their work. All was done with order and planned by divine wisdom. I do not declare, heaven forbid, that the absolute intention of a sacrificial order was as I have described it. The intention was actually even more wondrous and lofty. After all, the sacrificial order is part of God's Torah. And one who accepts the Torah completely, thou first rationalizing it with intellect, is greater than one who rationalizes and investigates everything, right, as we've said in the past. 
Nevertheless, one who descends from that high level and seeks to understand reason is better off basing his explanations on an accurate wisdom and forsaking them for poor interpretations and questions which lead to spiritual destruction. Okay? Now, if one wanted to do this properly, they would actually draw out a sketch of a human body, right, with the elements and the different processes as he has described it. And then on a you know opposite page, they would draw out a sketch of how he's describing how God interacts with the Jewish nation, our entire people, through touching the place where the ark is in the Beis HaMikdash. Hashem himself touches that place, which is the equivalent of our the portion that we have from God himself that is able to touch our heart. And then from there, it spreads out and consists of, and sorry, and exists in a way that influences everything else that happens. And so too, that's what happens when we have a Beis HaMikdash. In the absence, of course, in the base of, of the base of Mikdash. So how are we still going to have this interaction? So what the Talmud tells us is that the way to have this interaction is through our studying the laws of the sacrificial services and through understanding what they came to represent, we actually can reach the same or somewhat of a similar accessing of this divine wisdom and have it impact both us and the rest of the Jewish nation through that understanding and through that connection. Okay. Take care, guys. Have a great Shabbos, and we'll pick up as Hashem on Sunday. Be well. Bye-bye.